0: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Waiver Wire Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Joining me on this lovely Tuesday as he does all around the calendar year, at least, you know, when the football season's going on, Nathan Yonke, PFF's resident ranking expert. Nate, how's it going, man?
1: Uh, Going pretty well. We had a good 12 hours of football straight on Sunday, so that was good to see. Um, Had some fun with DFS, although in a lot of my season-long leagues, all of my players are injured, so that made start sit. Um, pretty easy this
0: past weekend. <laughs> That's the thing, man. You get these guys banged up and, you know, starting uh, Mac Hollins maybe doesn't feel great, but then it works out and then you feel like you're a freaking, you know, the smartest man on the planet, basically, with how that is going. So, one more week, ladies and mostly gentlemen, until we have buys on the way. So, more important than ever to get caught up on the waiver wire, make sure those bench spots are as strong as possible. And I'll tell you right now, probably something we'll worry more about next, uh, next week, but, like, you look at the quarterbacks that are on buy in week six, and no one that we're really worrying too much about you know i think the titans uh you know giants just a couple teams that they're mostly streamers anyway but week seven man we start getting the josh allen's jalen hurts out there so a lot of opportunities with these buys to stay ahead of the curve and we're going to have you guys ready to do just that before we get into the waiver wire editions of the week though as always we're going to go through the biggest sheeshs from week four i have an article on pff.com up every single monday night after monday night football that goes over you know the fantasy fallouts as they call it because guess what sheeshs and all that SEO friendly as I've been told but basically you know pass catchers that could have had the big gain or a touchdown with a more accurate pass the drops the guys that got stopped at the one yard line all the stuff that you recognize watching the game but if you only look at the box score you just might miss so the big ones from the week I'm going to read off now and again you can get all the little bitty ones if you want on pff.com but guys Chris Alave new quarterback same she's problems on downfield passes Patrick Peterson thought he had safety help over the top he didn't Chris Alave should have had a 41 yard touchdown touchdown unfortunately Dalton threw the ball out of bounds never gave him a chance to catch it no one is concerned about TJ Hawkinson after he went for 179 yards and two touchdowns Nate could have been three scores just before halftime he was wide open in the back of the end zone Goff with the rare miss out the back of the end zone again Jaguars wide receiver Jamal Agnew he had the two touchdowns no one's concerned should have had three Trevor Lawrence you know really coming off an awesome first three weeks of the year easily PFF's lowest graded passer in week four, and he missed Agnew for what should have been a 41-yard touchdown. Mark Andrews should have had a 16-yard score, but Lamar sailed it, and Tyler Higby should have had a walk-in eight-yard touchdown on Monday Night Football, but Matthew Stafford did that cool sidearm throw and then skipped it in. I gotta, I just thought of this, Nate. I'm going to clip that Stafford throw of him just throwing in the dirt and then throw the, like, you know, if Patrick Mahomes did this, everyone would be going nuts uh, tweet out there. That's going to do some numbers. We'll worry about that in a little bit. Drop touchdowns. I counted eight instances where it was A drop on a touchdown, like pretty clear, no questions asked. So, Justin Jefferson could have had an even bigger day, had an easy seven yard score. It was thrown a little bit behind him, it hit him in the chest, though. It hit both hands. It's Justin Jefferson. I'm going ahead and give him the drop as PFF did charge him with. So, again, he got the rushing score later in the game, could have also had the seven yard passing touchdown. Dallas Goddard had a chance for a 10-yard touchdown, dropped it just short of the goal line. I'm not sure if he could have buoyed his way into the end zone. I think he would have at a minimum, though. This would have given him a first and goal inside the three. They had to kick a field goal instead. On Thursday Night Football, Chase Edmonds, first drive of the game, dropped a potential five-yard score. Tua pulled to Steph Curry where he threw the ball, started celebrating, unfortunately turned around, and Chase had let it hit the ground. Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett, he had a hand in his face, but when he saw the slow-mo replay, should have, could have, would have had a seven-yard touchdown, hit him right in the hands unfortunately fell to the ground also at Stefan Diggs, you know drop a 14 yard score over the middle you can talk about mother nature playing into that just a little bit either way drop is a drop romeo dobbs should have you know had that score just before overtime and not even needed overtime unfortunately could not maintain possession to the ground but just based on the usage more on romeo dobbs in a bit still very much cemented as a top two wide receiver in green bay for the time being and buccaneers tight end and mike evans both failed to corral accurate passes from tom brady inside the 10 yard line Evans wasn't technically a drop because he did draw a big hit on the play. He got hit in the head after but the drop happened well before contact was initiated. So that's still going to be a sheesh for me. Deontay Johnson should have had, you know, I don't want to say should have, but he got, he did not get the feet down the back of the end zone. He made a nice catch on a 23 yard Pearl from Mitch Trubisky. I was really shocked going back and watching that Steelers first half, Nate, at how, not terrible Trubisky was like he hasn't been good this year I'm not going to say that but like you know you get benched at halftime you'd expect to see one turnover worthy play after another and to be fair Trubisky I mean he gave Pickens some good downfield chances they just couldn't convert and they had this again pearl to Deontay Johnson in the back of the end zone foot was just out of bounds, so that sucked uh some sequences that you know we could actually call she sequences I'm still working on that one but we're getting there uh Brees Hall scored the game-winning touchdown had some great underlying usage you should feel really really good about him moving forward just realized though almost had a 17 yard touchdown around just barely stepped out of bounds before diving across the goal line and then also should have had a potential 11 yard score but Zach Wilson threw the ball well short and never gave him a chance to make a play Michael Pittman not a good game on the box score but he had back-to-back potential touchdowns would have just been one because they were on the same drive but both times he caught the pass from Matt Ryan both times could only get one foot down in bounds Jerick McKinnon just letting Clyde Eversolaire, and then, of course, Noah Gray, you know, find these goal-line touchdowns after he got stuffed on the two-yard line uh, where it was a goal-line carry, and then he also got stuffed on that weird underhand pass thing that only Patrick Mahomes does. And then also he was wide open in the flat for a walk-in score. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball just a bit too long for the incomplete pass. 49ers on Monday Night Football, they got to the Rams' goal line with the Debo Samuel screen. He got down to the one-yard line. Then Jeff Wilson got stuffed. Then George Kittle seemingly caught a touchdown. Not so fast, my friend. He only had one foot in downs. And then Kyle Shanahan chose to kick a field goal from the two yard line. Twitter was not happy about that one. Final point. Okay. I don't think the Bears were going to beat the Giants on that last play. It would have been like one of the most miracle plays in NFL history, but they shot off fireworks during the middle of the play. Like, they're not going to call a penalty on the Giants shooting off fireworks in the middle of the play. Why don't teams do this on every single you know, play that the opposing offense is out there? I feel like it'd be distracting, but it was fun seeing Justin Fields, man, falling out of bounds, just throwing really his pass of the season all the way back across the field. It was an entertaining you know 15-second or yeah. so play while it lasted. Maybe that's why they shot the fireworks off. They were just that impressed. So, again, biggest misses of week four. You can catch those each and every week on PFF.com. With that, Nate, let's get to the main event, that being Waiver Wire Tuesday. You have multiple articles up on PFF.com. Every week, breaking down the waiver wire, your general waiver wire article, and then your top five to add, top five to cut, buy low and sell high. So first, we're going to focus on just the general top five waiver wire additions of the week before getting more into the nitty gritty buy position. So let's talk about the re- seemingly returning Washington RB1, Brian Robinson, who is now eligible to join the active roster. And what are your expectations are, Nate? Because we saw in the preseason, you know, lost in this OK enough start in the season for Antonio Gibson the kick returner role, the pure backup role. It seems like Brian Robinson, when he is ready to go, he is the Washington Commanders RB1.
1: I certainly think so. I think they'll, first of all, ease him in since he hasn't played in a month. So I wouldn't put him in my starting lineup. This upcoming week, um, Matthew's activated to the active roster. But even this past week, we saw Antonio Gibson not see quite as much playing time as he used to. Uh, Jonathan Williams got a little bit involved, and those snaps will certainly go to Brian Robinson. And I expect Robinson... Uh, probably at least within the next month from now, seeing the majority of carries for Washington going forward. So ideally you would have picked him up a week or two ago when he was probably easier to get, but uh, he's still available in plenty of leagues. So this is probably the time to pick him up before there's news of him getting activated to the active roster.
0: Will still continue to be a three back committee, not expecting Gibson to completely fall out of the picture. And of course, we got JD McKissick taking away the pass down work. So Robinson, not someone that, again, this week and maybe even for the next few weeks, if we do get a pretty evenly split committee going on, is going to be someone that we're going to be, you know, forcing into the starting lineup. So, Nate, for me with Robinson, more so, you know, a 20% fab guy, I want to save the 50%. You know, we're going all in on this for a player that has the ceiling as an every down RB1. Unfortunately, Robinson is not just one in injury away from getting that role he's
1: Oh, uh, yeah like i d- the upside that he does have is he's likely to be the player in washington to score the touchdown so that's why we're even considering him this much in a three-back committee is he will likely get the touchdowns but he definitely doesn't have that high ceiling as a number of other running backs have
0: another injury induced situation is in denver now mike boone seemingly set up to be if not the 1A back, the 1B. I thought it was going to be Melvin Gordon as a three-down workhorse. I think we all did if, if we would have gone over this situation you know, before the season started. But one fumble after another, and now Melvin Gordon himself is actually dealing with a neck injury that does have him on the injury report. Now, he was also listed last week with this, so I don't think it's necessarily going to keep him out of the game. But we did see last week he had the fumble that was taken back, and he was in and out of the medical tent. So to be fair, it does seem like Gordon's playing through some of the pain himself. The problem, Nate. We have, you know, Nathaniel Hackett doing Nathaniel Hackett things in Denver, and we're seeing that, you know, Matt LaFleur, Green Bay ideology or just philosophy of using multiple running backs persist even before Javante Williams got hurt. It was Javante, Melvin Gordon, and even Mike Boone making this a three-way committee over these last two weeks when he was out there. So now Javante completely out of the picture, unfortunately, with that torn ACL, LCL and PCL, and we do have Melvin not playing great. And now they even added Latavius Murray ahead of this uh, short Thursday night game coming up in. Um, who are they playing? They're playing the Colts this week. That's right. So Mike Boom, Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray. Do we really want to go that far in on this situation, Nate? Because we just saw now, last night, Monday Night Football got announced that Latavius Murray is going to be signing uh, with, the, with the Broncos. We're not sure yet if he's going to be on the active roster or just maybe, you know, complete backup uh, situation. But they're already proving willing to bring in guys off the street. I do not see this backfield condensing down to one player.
1: Um, yeah, I don't think it'll go down to one player. I do think Murray has to go to the active roster because he was on the Saints practice squad. So I do think he'll be on the active roster. Maybe not. he might be a healthy and active just because it's just a short week after um, he had the trip overseas. So we might not see him this upcoming week. I do think Boone will at least uh, have a role for the rest of the season because Malvin Gordon has never really been a receiving back. Uh, Murray, early in his career, was a receiving back at times, but not so much later in his career. So I think Boone will at least have a lot of the receiving role the rest of the season. It'll really be a matter of how those early snaps shake out. Um, Boone at least has a chance to see some of those early snaps. He has been seeing at least a little bit of playing time there, but it'll be hard to see him surpassing Gordon unless these injuries continue. But there is at least a chance that if the injuries continue, uh, Murray could also see a lot of the rushing work and he's been a decent rusher each of these past couple of seasons, wherever he's played, despite his age. So um, he could do something as a runner and at Denver's offense does start to put things together a little bit better than they have so far this season. Uh, there's a chance Murray could see plenty of touchdowns
0: that's the problem with this situation. we talk about the Colts in a bit and the Patriots and the Cowboys, like a lot of these teams that we had this underlying thought going to the season that they were going to be really good scoring offenses. And just so far, they aren't 16 and a half points per game for the Russell Wilson led Broncos 30th in the NFL right now. So Nate, I mean, even if Latavius isn't in there this week, like are Melvin Gordon or Mike Boone going to be cracking your top twenty-four? I'm putting my rankings together after this, but probably not exactly. So Mike Boone, another player that really don't be blowing all your Fab on this guy. If you're a Devonte manager, that sucks, and you know. But let's not you know compound that unfortunate event with the mistake of blowing the rest of your Fab on someone that's not going to even be an RB two unless another injury or two affects this backfield. So we could get a more PPR friendly role for Mike Boone. Uh, one of the great things in Nathan articles as he shows you the usage in these backfields across all situations so if you look last week in the two minute drill Mike Boom played four of the backfield six snaps on third downs he played five of their nine snaps so it does seem like Mike Boom could have more of a chance to get those fantasy friendly targets but even then we don't have that many touchdowns to go around we still have Melvin Gordon potentially being the main guy and why else would they sign Latavius Murray if it wasn't to give him at least some work so Mike Boom, yes he's shaping up where if you need someone this week you know you physically don't have an RB. Be two on your roster. I do think that he could emerge as you know, the primary waiver wire ad, but beyond this week and just in the future, I really don't see too much upside with Mike Boone again. Someone that more so 10 15% fab at the most, honestly, 15%. i am very happy to let someone else bid their heart out on Mike Boone, mate.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I agree with you that I'd rather have someone else get him. It's just these are basically feel you know, like lottery tickets where it might not take an injury for one of these guys to emerge because if they just play better. We don't know how these backs will interact. Where plenty of other backs that we could talk about later or are often on the waiver wire, you need an injury for them to do something where these are just maybe it could happen
0: generational wide receiver prospect. Romeo Dobbs topping the list for the second straight week here at wide receiver. I talked about that 40-yard touchdown drop and maybe it's not even a drop. You know, it was a tough play to the ground. Thought it was a touchdown. So, I'm not going to hold that against him because guess what? The Packers didn't hold against them. Still out there in overtime. Had some clutch catches down the stretch and, again, just something where even Aaron Rodgers before this, after the Christian Watson drop in week one, he was very adamant that these guys are going to go through some growing pains. Not expecting that to drop off because, really, like why why would it drop off? What other options do the Packers have at this point, other than to keep going to Romeo Dobbs, as long as he continues to play as their number two wide receiver at worst. If you want to say he's been better than Lazard, I won't necessarily disagree with you, but Watkins still very much on IR and Christian Watson, still someone that, hey, we're seeing out there more, but he's coming back from a hamstring injury himself. So, Nate, what we have seen over these past two weeks is not just a spike in Romeo Dobbs production, but also the underlying usage, which can help us see that this should be more of a long-term Romeo Dobbs target share you know, bump, then just a short, you know, two-week period induced by the injuries.
1: Uh, Definitely. Christian Watson is someone who his playing time has actually been decreasing each week as Romeo Dobbs' playing time has been increasing each week. Uh, Dobbs this week and a lot of ways last week was just a clear starting wide receiver for the team. And it was Randall Cobb and Watson uh, rotating time in the slot. So Dobbs, uh, the playing time, it can't really go any higher from here. I think it was over 95% of offensive snaps this past week. And he's seen eight targets each of the past two weeks. So um, really, we can expect him to continue to see a lot of targets each week. Uh, Yes, Amy Watkins will return at some point, but I don't see that really impacting Dobbs at this point anymore. Um, If anything, Lazar could see less playing time going forward. So I think Dobbs very well could be the number one guy for Green Bay for the rest of the season with the former MVP at quarterback. So there's a lot of things to
0: like there and his floor just keeps getting higher last two weeks. Eight catches, 73 yards and a touchdown, and then five catches, 47 yards and a touchdown. Eight targets on each occasion. I mean, look, routes are the most important thing a wide receiver, but last week, 96% snaps. The dude is even leaving the field at this point in the season. Romeo Dobbs, Nate, maybe there's going to still be enough of a spread out offense. Like that eight targets to me feels more like a ceiling for Dobbs, necessarily a floor, even though we've seen it in back-to-back weeks, but it's going to be tough, man. I think last week I already had Dobbs wide receiver 38 or 39 like he's going to be in that top 36 for sure this week. Do you see dubs or Alan Lazard, you know, cracking your top 24 anytime soon? Cause Hey, to your point, this is the reigning defending MVP of the league. And I know people have had, you know, a lot of opinions about Aaron Rodgers this offseason. He hasn't really done himself many favors with all, you know, the public shit he's saying and all that aside though. He looks as good as ever, you know, just throwing the football. So, Dubs and Alan Lazard, what are your kind of – I know you had your rest of season uh, rankings come out on Monday at PFF.com. Where do you see Lazard and Dubs basically, you know, working as – what do you see them working as the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, I don't see Lazard getting much higher than what we've had him recently since we've seen what he's done over several years now. And we've seen him do decently well so far after coming back from injury. So, um, I think he can be a borderline starter maybe in the right matchup where Dubs is someone who I think – can continue to rise. And we've seen the Packers wide receivers, rookie wide receivers over a decade plus now, a lot of times them are not seeing this many opportunities at any point over their rookie season. So the fact that he's seeing it um, early October, late September, um, I think is a good sign for him to potentially be a clear number one wide receiver and someone that could crack the top 24 at this offense continues to play well. And especially with the offensive line getting
0: healthier. We talked about Brian Robinson being more of a, you know, 20% fab guy, maybe a little more if you're just especially RB needy. Mike Boone, someone that, you know, we're happy to kind of let someone else go too far off the deep end on more of a 10% fab situation. To me, man, Dub seems someone where, okay, now if we're starting to talk 30, 40%, if you're a team that loaded up at RB early and you're in desperate need of wide receiver, like Nate, we don't see wide receivers pop up with the same sort of target share opportunity on the waiver wire. The running back injuries happen, but when wide receiver injuries happen, it's way tougher to just assume that, you know, the wide receiver four, the wide receiver five is going to step in that same target share. Dubs legitimately could be one of the last, you know, top 24 potential wide receivers still on the waiver wire. Are you comfortable spending 30, 40% or is that even a little low? Like should people do everything they can to go get Romeo Dubs this week?
1: Um, I would certainly consider doing 30 to 40%. That It is worth thinking about if you're in a league where he's still available. He was a high person that you should have gotten last week so it's in leagues where no one decided to get him last week so you might not need to spend 30 to 40 percent if he's still available but i definitely consider it because like you said we might not see another wide receiver that's this good available on the waiver wire over the rest of the season
0: And always with these fab recommendations, you know, doing our best here to help you guys, but every league is different. And Nate's brought this up a few times too, where guys like Dubs, if they are on the waiver wire, there's a good chance that your league is, you know, maybe smaller and just a lot deeper than normal formats out there. So as always, it does depend, but trying to give you guys those general guidelines the best we can. What about Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions? I mean, this is the most fantasy-friendly situation in the entire league right now because the Lions have the league's number one scoring offense, 35 points per game. and They also have the number two ranked scoring defense at uh, at 35.3 points per game allowed. So, you know, Lions fans probably not loving, you know, the back-and-forth nature, the nature of the Jekyll and Hyde kind of situation they got going on on offense versus defense. But, hey, it's been great for Jared Goff, who's at QB 19, QB 7, QB 19, and most recently QB 2 finish this season. Now, I don't think the Seahawks pass defense is going to be confused with the juggernaut anytime soon, but you know, when golf is missing a Monra, DJ Chariq and DeAndre Swift in his own right, I'm willing to still give him, you know, a lot of praise for that performance, even though again, the matchup wasn't really all that uh, tough. So I will say this year, you know, you look at golf, I think The one fluky, I guess, aspect of his performance, a lot of it has been thanks to, I think, his pass catchers uh, in general making the most out of their targets underneath. I mean, I don't think Hawkinson's going to you know, be having a catch and run for 88 yards every single week. And just on the season, Goff is only 6 for 20 when throwing at least 20 yards downfield, bottom three marks in yards per attempt and adjusted completion rate. With that said, man, with the defense being as bad as it is, with there actually being more weapons, I think, overall in Detroit than we maybe gave him credit for at the beginning of the year, at a minimum, Nate, golf is going to be in that kind of borderline QB1 conversation, if not higher here down the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, one more thing. It's early, it's in week five. But the one big kind of difference, I guess, the one big takeaway I've had about the quarterback position, Nate, just looking at how we approached it before the season started and then now. We had our top six, you know, clear-cut top six, and pretty much everyone agreed with it, even if you had, you know, Herbert over Kyler or Kyler over Herbert, things of that nature. I don't think that top six has really changed much. Yeah, Kyler is actually QB eight right now, but I think we can all agree moving forward, there's still a clear-cut top six quarterbacks. The mistake that I think a lot of us, including myself, uh, for certain extents, to a certain extent, made was the difference between guys like Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and then Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, uh, Carson Wentz is of the world because, you know, you still had to pay up more for Cousins, for Stafford, for Carr, kind of rounds 10, 11 or so, whereas guys like Goff and Wentz were just completely free at the end. So, Nate, do you agree with this takeaway where, yeah, we are seeing guys like Wentz and Goff actually, you know, flirt with the same sort of production as the guys we drafted far higher, Stafford, Cousins, Carr, and people of that nature? Or is this just a matter of, yeah, Goff has had some pretty good early season matchups, might be turning back into a pumpkin before too long?
1: Um, I think those are all cases where uh, the top six guys are basically still starting each week, but everyone else, I typically try to have two quarterbacks on my team, and whichever one seems to have a better matchup that week is the one that I put in my lineup, and Goff's one of those quarterbacks that I'm perfectly happy to have in one of those two quarterback committees on my fantasy team and pick whoever has the best matchup that week. So I think he needs to be on fantasy rosters. If you don't have a strong quarterback, if you have... Lamar Jackson then yeah it's also good to get golf because Jackson will have a bye week coming up fairly soon so um, I think you're trying to get him in whatever league you want but it uh, depends on who your starting quarterback is how much you're trying to spend to get golf.
0: appreciate all of our live YouTube chat commentators again this this podcast our Sunday night podcast is going to be live each and every week as well as injury so if you guys ever you know have questions things you want to bounce off us Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern, maybe 10, 15 minutes later, and then Sunday nights, you know, usually either halftime or after the Sunday night football game is over here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. ML's calling my ass out for saying Rodgers looks as good as ever. I know the production isn't there for Rodgers. It's more so like the arm strength and just his ability to still put the ball wherever he wants. They're running the ball a lot more than we've seen in, in past years, at least just leaning more so on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to work their way down the field. So, No, I I agree. Aaron Rodgers is not, you know, counting numbers wise, putting up the same sort of numbers. But when we get these quarterbacks going to their late 30s and even 40s and stuff, like similar thing with Tom Brady, like, no, his production hasn't looked as good as ever until last week to an extent. But I just want to make sure we're not looking at a late career Drew Brees or a 2015 Peyton Manning where they suddenly, you know, overnight Ben Roethlisberger, we saw that too. When they lose the ability to throw the football overnight, that's what we're really trying to avoid here. I don't think that's what we're looking at. in at Green Bay, and also for those that don't, know when we're saying fab free agent acquisition budget some leagues obviously have waiver order other leagues just give you a hundred or so dollars maybe a hundred thousand dollars whatever the hell your league is and you have that money to spend throughout the year so trying to basically hit both of those and also just a fun stat about a golf nate from the uh from the chat jared goff Played in three of the top 20 high-scoring games in NFL history. Shout-out Mojo. Yeah, got to remember that uh, Chiefs-Rams shootout from a few years ago. What a fun game. Final top five waiver wire edition of the week is going to be your number one tight end. Hayden Hurst continues to produce despite this injury, and that's kind of been the annoying part with Hayden Hurst. Nate, you know, going into week four, I'm sorry, week three, he got downgraded on Friday, and we just saw his, you know, snaps and routes not really be up there, but, At full health, he really does have that same every down CJ Uzoma role from last season. Where, okay, it's not exactly like we're going to be putting Hayden Hurst next to Dallas Goddard or George Kittle anytime soon. Maybe Kittle. Sorry, guys. Like, you know, I'm kidding, but. not going to be putting him in the top five the top six anytime soon. With that said, this is still a Bengals passing game that we've seen really start to catch their stride again over the past few weeks. And you can do a lot worse than having a complimentary pass game option when your quarterback is Joe Burrow. Just look at the things that Gerald Everett has been able to do in Los Angeles. So as Hayden Hurst gets more healthy, uh, Nate, he's really going to be someone that I think we're going to feel pretty damn good about replacing your starting tight end as these bye weeks start to add up.
1: Uh, Yeah, like you said, with the CJ Uzoma role, we saw him have it early in the season. So we know he's capable of doing it. And that's probably the plan when he's at 100%. So uh, that's definitely good to see. And there are so many tight ends that are in these high powered offenses that the teams like to rotate their tight ends in and out. So you want them for their touchdown potential, but they're so inconsistent on when they're getting touchdowns, where I think Hurst is someone where he will be on the field a lot. I think the offense will continue to get better and look more like it did late last season. So I think Hurst is someone who will have the potential to score touchdowns each and every week. And he's still catching a couple passes here and there when he's not 100%. So I think he'll still have a little bit of volume with that touchdown potential. So still not someone that I'll probably rank in my top five or top eight tight ends, but definitely in that borderline starter range where um, when you're comparing him to a bunch of other players, he's probably going to look favorably once he's at hundred percent.
0: Similar to kind of the rest of these guys, other than dubs, no need to go too crazy with your fab. You know, hopefully if, if you, if you're looking for Hayden Hurst, like your tight end situation, obviously isn't all that great to begin with. So really, you know, don't hamstring the rest of your capabilities throughout the year to go get him. But again, You can do a lot worse than number four pass game option more weeks than not in that Cincinnati Bengals passing attack. So again, Nathan's top five waiver wire additions of the week at running back. We have Brian Robinson and Mike Boone, two guys that are still going to need a couple more injuries in order to be anything close to a top 12, even a top 24 running back. With that said, based on most of the guys out there right now, still two players you can take a long look at Brian Robinson, someone we're more willing to get around 20% fab Mike Boone, more happy to let other people go ahead and get him closer to to 10% range. Romeo Dubs, go get him number one waiver wire edition overall of the week. 30, 40% fab. Don't be afraid to do that. You don't see wide receivers with legit wide receiver two upside the rest of the way available on the waiver wire very often. Jared Goff starting to look like the streamer QB of the week. Maybe the streamer QB of the season if he keeps this up. Top 20 finishes in every week so far. And then the aforementioned Hayden Hurst and having that extra touchdown upside as a part of the Bengals offense with Hurst and Goff again. When we're Streaming quarterbacks and tight ends, there's really no need to go too far out of your way to get them. But I think that, you know, same kind of sentiment is going to hold true with your league mates. So you don't have to. Why would you? Nate, we're gonna go through position by position a little bit now, and just uh, get into some of the other options because hey, maybe Jared Goff has already picked up, and you still need a quarterback. Don't want to completely leave you hanging. So we do have Jared Goff, but after him, Geno Smith continuing to put up big numbers. I mean, they just got the you know this generation's Joe Montana and Steve Young over there in Seattle. Uh, Nate, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold this against my boy Drew Locke. You know me better than that, but Geno. You know, back-to-back games over 300 yards and multiple touchdowns the overall QB one last week now it came against the freaking you know Detroit Lions League worst defense we've been over that but Gino, Manna, man a really good point that my lovely former co-host still joins me on Sunday nights uh, Dwayne McFarland brought up this season only the Eagles have run more plays where the play clock hasn't even hit 15 seconds yet when they snap the ball so the Seahawks like the Lions they're actually running with some pace they actually have more talent on offense than we expected and their defense Defense is freaking terrible like the Detroit Lions uh, we saw that game they, they're basically the same teams for fantasy purposes and because of that Geno Smith a slight discount on what we expect Jared Goff to be
1: oh uh, yeah luckily he has the talent around him at wide receiver he has a number of tight ends that uh, they keep catching touchdowns even though I keep being like this is a three-man rotation I have to ignore these guys but Will sure. like three touchdowns in his last four games and his top 10 tight end so far this season but um, I think Because of that, Geno, again, is one of those guys where I think he's going to be available in plenty of leagues and someone that I could very well see starting during bye week. So not someone that I'll be starting every week, but with bye weeks coming up, it is probably time to start at least considering getting one of these quarterbacks.
0: Over the last two seasons, 50 quarterbacks have at least 100 dropbacks. Geno Smith ranks ninth in PFF passing grade, second in quarterback rating behind only Aaron Rodgers, ninth in yards per attempt, second adjusted completion rate. The man is playing great football. Don't let the mainstream media tell you otherwise. Also, have Kenny Pickett officially taking over for Mitch Trubisky. Mike Tomlin announced today. He had the two rushing touchdowns, Nate. I will say this was not a part of his game that we consistently saw in college. Yes, I saw the fake slide. I saw him last week. Like the guy's athletic enough to run, but just don't get it twisted. Like this isn't Trey Lance or Justin Fields or someone like that. We should be expecting, you know, ten plus rush attempts during any given week. Overall, in college, Kenny Pickett gained at least fifty rushing yards in just thirteen percent of his career games. That was the lowest mark, rather easily, among those top five quarterbacks coming out of the twenty twenty two class. So, Kenny Pickett, Nate, it's one of those things where if he keeps running a ton okay because we've seen plenty of bad quarterbacks just be able to run a ton I'm not saying Kenny Pickett's gonna be bad in the long term but probably going to be pretty bad in the short term because they get in Buffalo in week five. That's the number two defense and fewest fantasy points per game allowed to quarterbacks in week six, they get the Buccaneers who ranked 10th ranked far higher before Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things on Sunday night. They get a nice, you know, similar, maybe a break in week seven in Miami because they rank 32nd. But at the same time, that's been with, you know, some key players like Byron Jones out of the picture. They get the Eagles in week eight who ranked fourth. They get the Saints in week 10 who ranked eighth and they get the Bengals in week 11 who ranked fifth. So i think with kenny pickett the hope is that he's able to you know enable george pickens and deontay johnson and some of these other guys to more consistency than we've seen in terms of him being an actual usable fantasy option outside of super flex leagues i'm mostly fading that idea oh uh, yeah like he's someone where he has a
1: lot more talent than a lot of rookie what rookie quarterbacks tend to have with the wide receivers and tight ends pittsburgh has but it's a situation where we basically know what the other 31 quarterbacks in the nfl are we know what they're upsides and floors are where picket we really don't know so if you have room on your bench to just take a lottery shot at quarterback and see what he turns up being then I'm happy to pick him up where any other quarterback I probably have a good sense of what their ceiling could be outside of Pickett.
0: We'll also seemingly be getting Teddy Bridgewater under center for a few weeks. I wouldn't put anything past the Dolphins at this point. It reminds me of uh, that movie, Nate, from back in the day. Not another teen movie when they had the concussed offensive lineman, Reggie Ray, and the head coach just refused to bench him under any circumstances. So, barring calm, cooler heads prevailing and Tua getting you know some needed time off to go ahead and recover, Teddy Bridgewater should be under center for the Dolphins. Just on the surface, Nate, he does seem like the sort of quarterback that could thrive here, similar to Tua. I don't think we've ever been talking about Teddy as someone who's you know, going to just throw an 80-yard rope off balance downfield. He's never had this exceptional arm talent, but as we've seen this offense, there's so much motion, so much speed going around. You don't necessarily need a quarterback to be more than the game manager to put up some big-time fantasy stats. So, Teddy Bridgewater, is this one of those things where you think that maybe Mike McDaniel could bring out? the best in him when we could actually start getting some usable fantasy weeks or one of those where it's like, eh, hey, we've kind of seen Teddy Bridgewater in enough systems in enough years. We know what we're getting here.
1: Um, he was – the offense looked pretty similar to when Tua was on the offense, and we were considering Tua a waiver-wire target uh, within the last couple weeks, and he's played pretty well in some games. So um, all you have to do is just get the ball into Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle's hands and let them do the rest. I think Teddy's capable of doing that, so – I think in the right matchup, Teddy can be a fantasy starter, uh, especially in super flex leagues. I know I was trying to get him in all of my super flex leagues now. So um, again, just probably a option for when you have bye weeks. But there are at least a couple of teams in each league that are definitely looking for quarterbacks right now. And I think he is probably cheaper than some of these other quarterbacks that we already mentioned.
0: We've seen him enable these guys just fine. I mean, Carolina in 2020, we saw three top 25 receivers in the finish uh, just with Teddy under center, things that Baker and Sam Darnold couldn't do somehow, some way. Beyond Teddy, we do have Jameis Winston. We need to keep monitoring how that back issue is going. He's just super banged up, and so is the rest of the offense. So that's more of you know an injury report situation to monitor, and then we already talked about Kenny Pickett. So for me, Nate, out of these guys, like looking at this week, if you need a quarterback, I think it's Goff, Geno, Teddy Bridgewater, Pickett's last just because of the matchup. I know what you're saying where, hey, maybe he could be really good. Like we just haven't seen enough of him to know that yet. So Pickett is the lottery ticket of the group. But for now, Goff, Gino, Teddy, Jameis, Pickett for this week and week alone. Are you cool with that order?
1: Oh, yeah. Without fully remembering who all those quarterbacks are playing. In general idea, yeah.
0: We'll be back. Uh, I'll be back here with Kevin Cole tomorrow when we record our NFC and AFC ones with all those matchup notes you know, you need to know. Yeah, Nate and I, you know, we, we we try to be superheroes with this, but it is a little tough on, you know, Tuesday to already have those matchups wiped up for the upcoming week. But always a great day to be great. Regardless, at running back, we talked about Brian Robinson. We talked about uh, Mike Boone already. Honestly, though, Nate, if you don't need running back help and you have these two and this next guy available, I want Rashad White over both of those. Again, both Robinson and Mike Boone multiple injuries away from having anything close to an RB1 role, Rashad White is one. And if the usage that we saw on Sunday Night Football persist, all of a sudden, we might even have some standalone value. Talk about the change in role that we saw with Rashad White on Sunday Night Football.
1: Uh, White, the big thing was Tampa Bay, just for two drives, one in the first half, one in the second half. White took every snap on those drives, plus another couple random plays here and there. But Leonard Fournette really hasn't been playing nearly as well this year than he has last year uh the offensive line certainly could have a decent amount to do with that but the run game just hasn't been working as well so it's time to try something new and the thing with white is it might not even take an injury since we've seen uh, tampa bay in the past be perfectly fine having a back see the vast majority of snaps Uh, We saw it at one time with Ronald Jones, and then at Fournette, one week it would be one running back. One week it would be the other, and we might not know heading into the week which one it is, but we could be heading to that situation. Uh, What Fournette, I think he had a decent job catching the ball, but I think he ended up still with three carries for negative three yards, or at least that's what he was sitting on for most of the game. So um, we could very well see more White going forward. Definitely not starting him this upcoming week, but it's something where he could take over as the lead back and in a situation where Tampa Bay is comfortable
0: playing him in every situation. Looks good out there, too, man. The one stat that, you know, I was really hanging my hat on these, this offseason, it replied to both Rashad White and Tyler Algier. And there were two other running backs whose names escape me at the moment, but they were the only four draft eligible running backs with a PFF grade of at least 70 in rushing, receiving, and pass blocking. We've already seen White earn these pass down reps ahead of a banged up Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn, already comfortable with Brady. He looks the part out there, man. So if something happens to Fournette, Rashad White, like, all right, we talked about, uh, Nate, how Brian Robinson. Mike Boone, these are, you know, 10 to 20% fat guys, even with the best case injuries happening that, and that's now why they are on the waiver wire radar. If something happened to Fournette, man, I like, this would be like a, if you have $86 use $86 to get Rashawn White. Like this could legitimately be the guy that wins your fantasy football league. If he secures that Leonard Fournette role in Tampa Bay, he'd immediately be in the RB1 conversation.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And you want to get him now before something happens to Leonard Fournette. So you don't have to get those, pay those $86 to get him.
0: Exactly. And uh, in your article, you have met just 11.4% own. Is that ESPN leagues? ESPN. Yeah. 11.4% guys. I, look, I, I have, I'm in a pathetic, but I love him. Uh eight man league. It's all my college buddies. That's like my home league. I consider like, he would never even be close to hitting the waiver wire in that league. God forbid a 10 or 12 man league. If you see Rashad white out there, Go get him. He is going to be our sleeper of the day presented by sleeper. My favorite place to play redraft dynasty fantasy of the whole shebang. love their app. Love everything about sleeper. Always appreciate them. So waiver wire running back pickup of the week is going to be Rashad white. If you need help specifically for this week. Okay. I get going to Mike Boone. There's always Raheem Mostert out there. If he is still available on your wire, but just in terms of best case upside down the road, nobody is touching what Rashad white could potentially bring to the table. As always, we also have Alexander Madison out there as a potential handcuff. And we have some other injury situations in New Orleans and Atlanta. But you know what, Nate? I don't really care about those situations. I think in Atlanta, without Cordero Patterson, we're still going to have a muddle committee with Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley, Avery Williams doing their things. And you even bring up how Damian Williams could be someone that is back sooner rather than later. And we actually really saw him dominate that snap share. So if anything in Atlanta, taking a cheap flyer on Damian Williams and hoping that he comes back in the big role is probably the move And New Orleans we've now seen multiple games without Alvin Kamara it continues to be an absolute mess and just Latavius leaving the picture I think tells us all we need to know that Kamara more than likely should be good to go here in week five and hopefully beyond so Nate Let's talk about Naeem Hines now and potentially getting a spot start for Jonathan Taylor. Again, it's a short week. They did get good news. The x-rays on Taylor's ankle came back negative. But the question with Naeem Hines, and we had some people in the chat asking about this earlier, what do you make of the potential looming committee between Naeem Hines and Philip Lindsay? Because we've seen this throughout Naeem Hines' career where in the past Marlon Mack got hurt and Hines did get a... Small bump in usage, but we also did see Jordan Wilkins go from someone who really wasn't being used to being someone that was taking a lot of that early down work. Uh, while Hines was sticking more so to the pass downs. Then again, in the preseason this year, which you always, you know, track all the first team snaps and and do a brilliant job of it, if I might add, Nate. But in the preseason this year, it did seem like Hines' role was more so maybe not a workhorse, maybe not a hundred percent snap guy like an Alexander Madison and Cook leaves, but at a minimum, man, I think with Hines, if Taylor is going to be out of the picture we could see like a middle-class man's version of Austin Eckler. Is that fair?
1: Oh, yeah, we've seen earlier in his career, Heinz have games where he saw double-digit carries as well as having the receiving role. He's not someone that's going to play 80% of offensive snaps. They'll get someone else involved with the offense, but I think he would at least start the game, see the majority of carries, continue to see the receiving work, probably see more receiving work than he's been receiving. So he's someone that... If Jonathan Taylor is out this week, I think he could be a borderline fantasy starter. And specifically if Taylor is out this week, Heinz is probably the player that I'd most want out of all of these guys if I need someone specifically for this upcoming week.
0: Again, just to quickly recap running back, the most upside that's going to be available on your waiver wire is going to be Rashad White, And we even have a heightened chance for some of the standalone value that just through the first three weeks looked like it was going to be a pipe dream, but really promising stuff for Rashad White. He shouldn't be on your waiver wire. So if you're just cursing me and saying I'm dumb for even thinking it, okay, I thought that too. But when he's not even owned on 12% of ESPN teams, there's a good chance for at least a portion of you out there. You happen to be in some of those 88% of leagues where he is available. So go get Rashad White. If at all possible, let everyone else chase the Mike Boons, the Brian Robinsons, the Tyler Algiers of the world, guys who are still stuck in committees, even with the best-case scenarios happening. So other than Rashad White, man, again, Robinson Boone in the right, you know, if you can get him for 10 or 15% of your fab, maybe even 20% for Robinson. I don't think that's egregious. I just have a feeling because of these injuries, because they're the hot names this week, they're going to be the ones getting hyped up more. Same thing with Tyler Algier in Atlanta. I lean Nate, once again to Rashad White. And beyond him, man, Raheem Moster is also someone that if he is available, you know, don't be afraid to go get. He does continue to outwork Chase Edmonds. Three straight weeks now. Edmonds isn't going anywhere. It's going to be a two-back committee in an offense that wants to throw the ball. But Raheem Mostert, I mean, I think he's going to arguably give you more week-to-week consistency than Robinson or Boom if he happens to still be available. And then with Naeem Hines, someone that really is already owned in plenty of leagues, maybe not after he was talking shit about fantasy football uh this past week, you know, out there on the old uh Twitter sphere. But Naeem Hines, someone that also, at least for this week, does give you plenty of upside. Let's say Jonathan Taylor is out, Nate. Where do you kind of plan on having Hines ranked? He's going to be tough to keep out of the top 20. Uh, Yeah, he'll probably be right around 20, 24 in that range. Great day to be great. As always, let's talk some wide receivers. So already went through Romeo Dobbs and just the upside wide receiver two potential. He has the rest of the way. So truly 30, 40% of your fab. Don't be afraid to go to Romeo Dobbs. Also got Michael Gallup back for the first uh, game last week. Nate, there's a a pretty hilarious uh, gif. uh, If people want to look it up, Michael Gallup touchdown. It's just, it's my friends and I always crack up about it. It's a stupid, stupid thing, but for some reason it cracks me up. Plain Cowboys background, and then it just goes touchdown. Michael Gallup and he cuts into the screen. Very uh, exhilarating stuff. My life is just full of fun, uh, as evidenced by that story. But Michael Gallup, Nate, what did we see in his first game back? And a lot of people were thinking that once he was healthy enough to get here, we might have you know wide receiver three with Dak Prescott at a minimum. They paid him you know fifty million plus dollars to go out there and catch a lot of passes. Now it does look like Dak's is going to be out for at least another week. Jerry Jones said he's just not able to kind of hold the football the way he needs to for right now, but. Michael Gallup, rest of the season thoughts, uh, Nate.
1: Um, So he went straight
0: to the third wide receiver
1: role, played almost every snap in three wide receiver sets, wasn't playing too much in two wide receiver sets. I would think at some point this season, he would surpass Noah Brown as the second wide receiver on the depth chart, but Noah Brown has stuck around at wide receiver two longer than I expected anyway. So that might not end up being true, but with how the Cowboys offense is playing better than we expected at this point, Ideally, it starts being the offense that we hoped it would be at the beginning of the season once Dak Prescott is back. Um, I think in the past we've seen Dallas be able to have two fantasy-relevant wide receivers, and that could certainly happen again this year with Gallup. So I think the fact that he, they didn't really need to ease him into the offense, he went straight to seeing a huge role with on the team, I think that's a good chance that he can do uh, decent things going forward and will at least have a fairly good floor like most top two
0: or three wide receivers do. Dubs owned at 45% leagues. Gallup owned at 46%. So kind of a coin flip if these guys are going to be available or not. But I see kind of similar best case outcomes for the guys, Nate. Again, we don't see too many players on the waiver wire at the wide receiver position with this sort of kind of best case upside. It's usually got to be something quirky to get there. So we had a wide open Green Bay wide receiver room where everyone was priced down because we didn't know what was going on. And we have Michael Gallup coming back from an injury where, man, like when we heard in August, it was Gallup saying like, there's no chance he's going to be back. But I think if we would have known like okay he's gonna be back playing a full-time role by week four like okay he would have been going way higher in fantasy drafts back in august so good news on both those guys and even if i do think dubs deserves to be ranked ahead of Gallup in terms of who you're going for out there on the waiver wire Gallup for me is someone that if you want to you know look at spending 25 30 percent and you need a wide receiver i would not be afraid to do so also had one of my guys nate couldn't stop talking about him all offseason rondale moore back in the picture he beat out Greg Dortch, man. He got the job. With that said, he is working mostly outside. Dortch was the one in the slot a little bit more. So on the one hand, I'm happy that Rondale was out there getting some actual like wide receiver usage. It seems like he's not just going to be this gadgety type player out there. On the other hand, this still is a Cardinals offense that has looked broke for half the season and really good for the other half. And was still as a passing game that seems to be flowing more so through Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz. Just fun stat here. Not kidding about looking broke and then looking amazing this year in the first half, the Arizona Cardinals are dead last in EPA per play in the second half. They're number one madness, Nate, but overall thoughts on Rondale Moore in week. Uh, We'll we'll go week five and like just these next two games without DeAndre Hopkins still, and then what you kind of think might happen with this wide receiver room once Nook comes back in week seven.
1: It was really interesting to see him line up out out wide so much. I know A.J. Green was hurt, which was a big reason why he was lining up out wide, but it seemed like a situation where he was going to be the slot receiver and Arizona didn't view him on the outside. So um, I wouldn't even consider it that he beat out Greg Dortch this week just because – Moore wasn't playing the same position he was basically where we expect more to be playing in the slot going forward either once AJ Green is healthy or once DeAndre Hopkins is back so over these next two weeks or so I'm um, not sure I'd be starting more probably really depends on the matchup but then it'll be interesting to see once they have those outside receivers how much playing time he gets in the slot versus Greg George I expect more to be the clear starter and the fact that they've liked him enough to play him outside the entire game um, makes me hope that they like him even better than we expected him uh, expected the Cardinals to like him. But there's also a chance that we could see a mixed playing time in the slot. They did play a lot of two tight ends this past week, which is something that could continue. So um, he is someone where I think he has a pretty high ceiling, but he also has a low floor. Breaking
0: my heart with some logic there, Nate. So yeah, don't go too crazy on Rondale Moore just yet. Promising. It's good to see him out there looking healthy. Uh, but yeah, still do have some questions on just what that full-time role might look like. And unfortunately, like one of the uh, one of the allures of drafting Rondale Moore was the idea that we were gonna have a potential target hog during the first six weeks of the season. Unfortunately, you know, we're now only down to two weeks left for DeAndre Hopkins. What about George Pickens, Nate? We did see, you know, some gaudy target share numbers everyone's throwing out there with Kenny Pickett out there in the second and half. Look, in the second half, Kenny Pickett came out. He threw four targets to George Pickens, four to Pat Fryermuth, three to the Jets defense, two to Chase Claypool, two to Deontay Johnson, and one to Zach Gentry. I don't know that I'm drinking the Kool-Aid that, you know, 30 minutes of football is enough for us to anoint George Pickens as the new number one in Pittsburgh ahead of Deontay Johnson. Pickens is... An awesome talent. We all agree. Like, it's hard not to watch the guy and think he's special. But I think you can say a similar thing about Deontay Johnson and even Chase Claypool to an extent. I refuse to believe that Claypool is flat-out shitty at football. You don't score 13 touchdowns as a rookie by being bad. But, okay, fine. Claypool's number three in Pittsburgh. Overall thoughts on what George Pickens can be moving forward, Nate. We talked about the upcoming schedule again: Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, Eagles, Saints, Bengals. It's going to be tough. Is this just a play where, like, hey, we have a really talented wide receiver that we like? We have a quarterback that could be an upgrade. Probably should be an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky. What are your rest? What's your rest season outlook on George Pickens versus Deontay Johnson?
1: Um, I'm definitely getting Pickens, not for starting him these next couple weeks, but just hoping that he does more in the middle of the season, late parts of the season. Like We didn't see Amon Ross St. Brown become Amon Ross St. Brown until the later parts of last year. So I think that's more what I'm hoping for with Pickens is we've seen his target share increase these last couple weeks to be something that we're happier with. Um, Ideally, the quarterback change is a better thing for the offense in general, so it'll help not just uh, Pickens, but Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool as well. Hopefully it elevates the entire offense. So it's something where if you need a wide receiver this week, there are definitely plenty of other options that I would be looking for. But if you have a spot on your bench to hope that someone becomes something great at the end of the season, uh, once you get to your fantasy playoffs, he's someone that I'd definitely be considering
0: you quick notes here more so injury induced situations but obviously that's the name of the game sometimes josh reynolds coming off really now three straight games with either 90 plus yards or a touchdown of course a lot of this has been caused by amon ross st brown being banged up dj chark missed last week as well with that said it's number one next scoring office in detroit so it is surprising to see some of their complimentary options put forward these sort of numbers but again number one scoring offense in the league resides in detroit so josh reynolds someone where if chark and amon ra you know stay banged up he will be continuing to rise the RB3 ranks. Zay Jones missed last week. He's someone that, though, really you should not be completely sleeping on because if people had to cut him or they just didn't get on the train because of last week, just, I mean, those Jamal Agnews touchdowns, like those are going to Zay Jones once he is healthy enough to get back out there. So Zay Jones is someone that, especially in full PPR, I do think we could see him ranked in the top 36, you know, sooner rather than later, just once he gets back to full health. Kadarius, Tony, if you're like me, I just haven't been able to cut the guy still. He's too damn talented. But if he is out there on the waiver wire, don't be afraid on getting, again, a truly talented player with all the underlying stuff we want at just his cheapest price ever at this point. And more and more Giants wide receivers keep getting hurt. The names that I'm sure that Brian Dable is going to find a way to play over Kadarius, Tony, I know I'm going to be you know dropping F-bombs on this podcast and pissed off about it in the future. But for now, theoretically, Kadarius, Tony, once he gets healthy from his hamstring injury, should have a bigger pathway to more usage. Devontae Parker, you know, the quarterback situation in New England, a mess at the moment, but as long as Jacoby Myers stays out with that knee injury, he is the Patriots wide receiver target. Just realize Tyquan Thornton coming back, you know, seemingly before too long. I do think Parker, it's it's a tough one to say. Like, I don't know who exactly is going out there and is going to take, you know, your sell-high trade offers on Devontae Parker. At a minimum, though, if you could make him kind of like a piece of the deal, uh, maybe have a little more luck, and also just keep an eye on Kyle Phillips now, with the Titans potentially having a chance to leap into a bigger role with Chalon Burks, unfortunately, expecting to miss some time with that turf toe. Last main wide receiver that I think could have, you know, more of an extended role throughout the season, uh, Nate is also injured right now, but it's, I don't want to say just a concussion. Concussions are very serious. I've had several, they're not fun. We believe it to be a shorter term injury. So that's all I mean there versus some of these other ones. But Isaiah McKenzie in Buffalo, Jameson Crowder broke his ankle, Gabe Davis is banged up. It took the Crowder injury, Nate, but all of a sudden Isaiah McKenzie looks locked in as a slot receiver in a Bills passing game that's throwing at a lower average target depth than ever and seems to be more than comfortable throwing the guys like McKenzie, like Devin Singletary, of course, Stephon Diggs, but they're not forcing it to the outside like maybe we thought they were going to do. And again, Gabe Davis's injury certainly playing a part in that as well. But Isaiah McKenzie, man, if he is healthy this week or what we're going to say next week, just looking at that Bill's offense, man, I think it's we're going to have our rankings between McKenzie and Gabe Davis a lot closer than I think we would have anticipated back in August.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm taking my notes during the game. And after the first quarter, I was marking down Jamison Crowder as someone to consider off the waiver wire because he was seeing more snaps in the slot. But then once Crowder went down, McKenzie was just never leaving the field. So I think once McKenzie is back for as long as Crowder is gone, I think McKenzie will see significant playing time, a lot more playing time than he was seeing these first couple weeks, and that was the big thing holding him back. So getting the playing time in the Bills offense, he has consistently been scoring touchdowns, which is great to see. Um, I do think Gabriel Davis will rebound. I think his injury is having a lot to do with his low target share and lack of production in general. So I do think Gabriel Davis... We'll do better going forward, but I think Isaiah McKenzie will start being the player that a lot of us were thinking he could be at the end of the preseason.
0: So top three, basically, wide receivers that we're trying to prioritize on the waiver wire that we think have, you know, immediate or just in McKenzie's case, once he gets healthy. Wide receiver three upside with the potential to even scoot into the top 24. Romeo Dubs, number one, 30, 40% fab. Don't be afraid. Michael Gallup, number two, similar sentiment, maybe just a tick down because obviously we do have CeeDee Lamb still being a target hog in Dallas. And Isaiah McKenzie, again, concussion this week. We're not sure if he's going to be out there, but as early as next week, he really could be that guy. Are we... um it's Khalil Shakur, right? Like, are we are we trusting him for really anything uh, this week, Nate? Jake Kumaro is still banged up as well.
1: Um, I just think he'll rotate in here and there. I know like like Tav, Stefan Diggs come out of the game a little bit here and there just to keep him well rested. I think he'll see some snaps in two wide receiver sets, maybe a couple here and there, and three wide receiver sets, but I don't think anything too major.
0: So don't go too crazy there. George Pickens, Rondale Moore, two guys where, no, we're not firing up this second, but they do have, you know, the upside to potentially be every week starters sooner rather than later. Like, that is in their potential range of outcomes. I would prioritize Pickens over Rondale at this point. After that, just some more guys that, hey, if you're trying to fill out the bench, depth, no reason to not, you know, try to stay ahead of the curve. Josh Reynolds with Detroit continuing to benefit from Chark and the Sun God's injuries. Zay Jones once he is healthy in Jacksonville, and hey, if he's not, you know, you're in one of these 14 team leagues with three flex spots. Jamal Paul Agnew someone that will be out there, you know, feasting in the slot of this Jaguars offense. Kadarius Tony, with that hamstring issue. Once he's back, theoretically, Nathan, they might have to throw him the ball. Uh, Devontae Parker continuing to benefit from Jacoby Myers being out. Maybe Mac Jones back sooner rather than later. And Kyle Phillips in Tennessee benefiting from the Traylon Burks injury. Before we get to tight end, just want to give a quick shout out to some of our sponsors. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play and pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250K plus in cash. Download the app, choose the contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Better up to five player prop over unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code FANTASYPFF at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the App stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play but also where you play. You don't want to miss out on this. Also shout out to our lovely clothing sponsor at Beery. Nate, I've been talking about my new like hoodie jacket thing, really hyped about it. Fiance, you know, saying nice things about it. And I really don't think she's lying this time around. In addition to my often discussed coat from Beery, which is pronounced and spelled. I should say V-U-O-R-I. Love the folks at Viri. I got a hat there, Nate, and I can't wear my hats on the podcast these days because I got these headphones. There's no invention like AirPods out there that could solve this problem. I am completely out of luck. I can't wear hats anymore. I do enjoy wearing hats in my daily life, but I got a big head, man. It's a weirdly shaped head. When I wear hats for I hate the way I look. For some reason, Viri has hats that fit my weirdly shaped heads. Cool snapbacks. They got the trucker knit. It's a certain style for people out there. I like it, though, and the hats fit, so it's If you're like me, if you have to wear hats backwards and you kind of feel like a jackass when you do it, if you want a nice fitting forward hat that looks nice too, head on over to Viri and we got a discount for you again. Viri is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at Viri. Again, dot com slash PFFPod. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to very.com slash PFFPod and discover the versatility of Viri clothing quickly at tight end now we had Hayden Hurst as the primary waiver wire edition of the week don't forget Dave Njoku should you know be on the majority of rosters out there but if he is on the waiver wire a lot of really good uses from him in recent weeks and Jacoby Brissett continuing to play I think better than most of us expected at least I know I can say better than uh, I expected him to play this year so credit there beyond him though Nate we do have some names potentially I can give us some you know help down the road Greg Dolchich with the Broncos is now eligible to come off the pup what is his actual status with his hamstring injury. I know it was an issue that he seemed to be working his way back from throughout training camp, and they were going to rush him along, but with Albert O playing one, one freaking snap last week, Nate, it does seem like Greg Dolchitz has a chance to emerge as the Broncos' number one receiving tight end.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it still might be a week or two away before he's fully ready to play. They might not put him directly into that receiving tight end role right away, but just seeing them uh, take Albert O out of the offense, his one snap was in a three tight end set, so had Denver never been in a situation where they wanted to run that kind of goal line offense, then he wouldn't have seen an offensive snap in the game. So um, I think it's something where uh, similar to Kenny Pickett, where we know what all of the other tight ends in the league are like at this point, but he's someone where, yeah, he might not do much all season long or he could become a tight end one and be this talented tight end that we saw out of college. And he could go with Russell Wilson and be a big part of this offense going forward. So just having that huge range of outcomes is something that we don't have for many players on the waiver wire, but he's one of them.
0: Also want to take a quick note here and Jonas Smith, injured with the ankle injury last week. I'm trying to see if there's any updates. Uh, up, updates Always a joy when you're know, in the middle of the waiver pod and you get you know, some breaking injury news. I think we're in the clear here, Nate. And with that in mind, if we do see Jonas Smith missing some time with the ankle injury, Hunter Henry should be close to an every-down player. Again, if we're going to have, you know, we're not going to have Mac Jones. We're not going to have even Brian Horner under center. It's going to be a problem to expect too much out of his Patriots passing game. But Hunter Henry, if Jonathan Smith is out, should have an every down role. And that tight end, that's all you can ask for sometimes.
1: Uh, yeah, we've seen both his uh, snaps decrease this year with Smith playing better this year and also his targets per run, run decrease a little bit. So I don't think this is going to solve all of the problems and make Henry the same player that he was last year, but it's definitely a step in the right direction and could get into that spot where he was a starter last season.
0: Maybe maybe Baby Luzappi is the next Brady, Nate. Maybe. People are asking. Mo Cox, fresh off the two touchdowns. We're still seeing Jelani Woods. We're still seeing Kylan Grayson getting out there, but man, you know, we don't have Jonathan Taylor in the, maybe we might not have Jonathan Taylor in the picture. It would make sense if the Colts decided to pass the ball a little bit more often, and that would seemingly help out Mo Cox. Don't be afraid to go scoop him up as well. So quick, just overall waiver wire summary here. at quarterback, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis, Kenny Pickett. Those are our five for this week. We're okay taking a little bit of a shot on Pickett for his future upside because we don't know maybe he is great but just for now still a lot to you know wrap our minds around at running back brian robinson mike boone if you need help this week okay but really more than anything go get rashad white if at all possible he is the one guy still on the waiver wire who would be an instant rb1 should anything happen to the only running back ahead of him Niam hines can also be someone to give us some solid rb2 value but with the jonathan taylor injury it's not looking like it's going to be a super long-term issue Raheem Mostert can also give you some help when you need it. And Alexander Madison remains, you know, a more than solid handcuff on the waiver wire. Madison, Rashad White, those are two guys out there that we really can trust to put up big-time numbers should their team's RB1 get injured. Largely going to let someone else, you know, overbid on the guys available in the Saints and Falcons backfields, particularly in New Orleans. It does seem like Kamara should be back sooner rather than later. at wide receiver, Romeo Dubs, Michael Gallup, Isaiah McKenzie tier drop-off to George Pickens, to Rondale Moore, another small tier drop-off to Josh Reynolds, Zay Jones, Kadarius, Tony Devontae Parker, and Kyle Phillips. At tight end, we love Hayden Hurst. Go get David Njoku if he's still out there. Otherwise, Hunter Henry, Mo Alley-Cox, and Greg Dolches could do you some solids. Sound about right, Nate? Uh, yeah. Great day to be great as always. Do you want to go through your to cut spy lows or sell highs, Nate? You just want to let the people go, you know, read those on pff.com if they look. Like.
1: Um, I'll give them one player and that's uh, Kenneth Gainwell's on my list to cut. Uh, Boston Scott didn't play this last week and we didn't really see that big of a increase in role in Gainwell. If anything, they got Trey Sermon a little bit more involved in the run game. So I think Gainwell's someone where he doesn't have enough uh, standalone value right now with his receiving back role, which he's going to keep for the rest of the season. But I think even if we see an injury to Miles Sanders this season, that might not be enough for Gainwell to be a fantasy starter. So if he's not going to be a starter with an injury, he's probably not someone that you need to keep on your roster.
0: I think his best case, and I kind of treat him as a similar handcuff to like Naeem Hines, where we're not getting really anything in the meantime. Maybe he could be like, again, I'm using that middle-class man's Austin Eckler comparison. That's like Kenneth Gamewell's best case scenario, but I don't know, man. It's usually been Boston Scott getting a lot of that work when we have seen Miles Sanders miss time. So I agree with you there. And yes, everyone can check out the rest of Nate's to cuts buy lows and sell highs over at PFF.com. The grind on this man, Nate, who you can find on Twitter at PFF underscore Nate, Yankee, I mean, dude, it's Tuesday, and I you, you published what seven articles since then. He's got you covered with all the snaps and the usage numbers from every single week four matchup, week four waiver wire targets, ten biggest reactions to NFL in Week Four, and also the five to add: drop, buy low, and sell high. Unless we forget the rest of season fantasy football rankings following NFL Week Four. So always a great day to be great, Nate, and you are proving that. Anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend?
1: Uh, We did also publish all of my recap articles as individual articles for this for each game. So I think I'm at 20 articles over the past 50
0: hours or so. Nate recently got a shout out from the fantasy footballers. Kings recognize Kings, Nate. That's my big uh, takeaway from that. Shout out to the fantasy footballers. Not that they need it, but you know, they're so freaking awesome. That mm-hmm. always a good thing to remind people of. So as always, pff.com. I got my sheesh report, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, positional breakdowns. I've, I've been in the hood and Excel, Nate. I don't need to do as often these days, but just, I, I figured out a way how to save like hours of my time yesterday. And it just felt so good to kind of remove some of the manual stuff. So really excited about my running back wide receiver articles. Check those out as they come out. On pff.com this weekend. Yeah, I'll be back tomorrow with more preview stuff ahead of week five now with my guy, Kevin Cole, breaking down every AFC NFC game. Back with injuries on Friday, Sunday night, we're reviewing them, and then back for Waiver Wire Tuesday. So always a great day to be great on the PFF Fantasy Pod, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. So for Nate, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for stopping by, and until next time, take care, everybody.